everybody, and welcome back to the Out to Be podcast. Wow, I just have to say, I know I don't usually use these intros to talk about my personal life, usually, but it has been a week, and right now it is 9.21 p.m., the Tuesday before this episode comes out, and I'm coming to you live with this intro as I finish editing the podcast. First of all, I'm so, so excited for you guys to hear this episode. It is very near and dear to my heart in that I have been on a journey with gut health and with natural health, and well, holistic health, really, for a, over a year now. And this conversation with Nicole really touches on that, and I share a little bit of my story in it, too. So I'm really, really excited for you guys to hear that. But also, just wow. It has been a week. My computer broke, which is a pretty sucky thing to happen for an online entrepreneur. I was out of the game for several days. That's pretty much why I'm editing the podcast so late. And it was just really overwhelming and a lot of emotions and a lot of stress. And I'm still dealing with healing and going through several protocols and supplements and things like that to heal holistically. And I haven't been feeling that well. And it just brought up a lot of emotions while listening back to this podcast episode, even though we just recorded it on Friday. So (laughs) I really wanted to get this out to you as soon as possible because it just felt right. It felt like something that you guys needed to hear and that I wanted to share. And listening back, I kind of wanted to mention a few things before we dive in. The first is that while we are focusing on holistic health in this episode, you will hear us say, but I want to stress before we jump into it, that There is a time and place for everything. There is a time and place for regular doctors and, you know, Western medicine. And there's a time and place for holistic medicine and holistic healing and naturopaths and functional medicine doctors and things like that. And most of us are familiar with conventional medicine and we're not as familiar with the holistic side of things, Um, especially because it's it's not cut and dry on the holistic side either. Sometimes we think, oh, yeah, like naturopath, that's that's it. That sums it up. Or you might think about a chiropractor or you might think about acupuncture, any of these things. And there are a lot of different people, a lot of different practices out there and a lot of different routes that you can go to heal even on the natural side. So this episode is focused on that. Nicole Blonder, my guest today, is a health coach and she guides people through figuring out what the best mode of healing is for them is. And we talk about that today and we talk mostly about natural health. But again, I want to stress, we're not saying in this episode and nor would I ever say that Western medicine doctors, regular medicine doctors are bad in any way. They're not bad, but it's not to say that you can't dig a little bit deeper and go a different route to get to the underlying cause of your illness as opposed to taking a band-aid approach, which sometimes regular doctors tend to do. And The reason I mentioned that too is because I wanted to start off this episode by kind of saying like if you've ever been in a position where you feel like you haven't been heard by a doctor, then this episode will speak to you because I share a lot of my stories in this episode where that has happened to me and I feel like I really haven't been heard by so many doctors and it's so fucking frustrating. I think honestly like My personal opinion is that this is a bias that goes mostly towards women too. And I'm not trying to get political or cause a fight, but I think it's true. I mean, I've been to so many gastro doctors, so many allergy doctors, and I feel like I just get poo-pooed all the time. I'm not really listened to. Nobody takes my symptoms seriously. I've been told that stuff was a nervous habit. I've been told that stuff was, you know, just like 
normal when it's not normal. And that I'm expected to live feeling like crap for the rest of my life. And I refuse to accept that. And then I look at other people in my life who are not women. <laughs> and they don't seem to be getting this same treatment. So I'm just saying from my personal experience, this is what came up for me as I listened back to this episode. And I am curious if you have similar experiences. If you are a man or a woman listening to this episode, let me know what your experience has been with trying to get answers and dealing with doctors, whether it's your regular doctor or your specialist doctor. I'm so curious to hear about your experiences and if you've had similar experiences to mine or totally opposite. So that's one thing I wanted to throw out there before we dive in. And lastly, I would just encourage you to listen to this episode with an open mind. If you are into natural medicine, then this might be right up your alley. If you know about gut health, then this might be right up your alley. If you're unfamiliar with both of those things, I think that this episode is going to be really, really interesting. There's a lot to learn here, um, even if you are familiar with these things. And Nicole is just such a bright light and so fun to talk to. And I'm really glad that we had this conversation. And I'm really glad to finally be bringing more content like this to the podcast because ultimately, I really want to create a well-rounded view and a well-rounded approach to wellness and mental health. And that means, as you'll hear on this episode and as you've heard trending on episodes that have aired recently, that it is a holistic view. You can't just look at one part. We can't talk about mental health and just look at the diseases or the mental health illnesses that people are suffering from and only talk about meditation or only talk about therapy. We have to talk about the body as a whole, the things that are happening as a whole, the stressors, the diet, all of these things. So I'm going to keep bringing you episodes that dive deep into these topics so that we can continue to get that well-rounded view and continue to learn about all aspects that affect our mental health and our wellness. And that was all I was going to say. And then I just remembered I want to say one more thing, which is you're going to be able to tell I am so excited about this topic. I'm very enthusiastic about this topic. And because of that, I talk pretty fast in this episode. My fast talk in my New Yorker comes out a little bit. So I don't know. Bear with me. I think it's fine. But sorry in advance if I'm talking too fast. (laughs) That's all I have to say. I am really excited for you to hear this episode today with Nicole Blonder. Again, Nicole is a music industry veteran and a holistic health coach. She focuses primarily on digestive health and issues of wellness in the music industry. So so cool, so in line with what we're doing here. And she really knows how to take a well-rounded view on this, particularly when we're talking about being in the music industry because she knows all about it. She's in it as well. So I think you'll really enjoy this episode. Let me know on Instagram what your biggest takeaways were. I would love to hear your feedback. And without further ado, here is today's episode with Nicole. Hey, Nicole, and welcome to the Out to Be podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to have you start by introducing yourself, what you do in the music industry, and what you do as a holistic health professional. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks. So um, music industry. Well, I've been in the music industry for over 20 years now. Um, I kind of started... in labels and I worked for the record label called Mute, a UK-based label for a really long time, doing marketing, project management, uh, a whole lot of other things. Um, And for the last couple of years, I've been um, working for myself, which is awesome, doing consulting. I've been working for a festival, for an agency, um, and really supporting artists um, in the same way that I always have been, but sort of in a more diverse way. 
Um, a couple of years ago, I decided to get trained as a holistic health coach, um, and I kind of do a couple of different things with that, um, working with people, supporting them in their journeys to heal from digestive issues, um, and also um, with a new focus on working with people in the music industry and artists as well to focus on health and wellness from a holistic perspective. That is so cool. I am really excited that you're here because I told you this right before we started, but Holistic health is a passion of mine, and I believe that it ties really closely into this discussion around mental health, but isn't quite talked about enough, and especially with the gut in particular. Our gut health makes a huge difference and uh, impacts our mental health a lot, so I'm really excited to dive deep into this. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, what led you to become interested in health and to become a certified health coach, especially as someone who was working in the music industry? Did you have an experience of your own that led you to this point? Yeah, that's a great question, um, which I get a lot. Uh, so I, um, when I was in college, I started having really bad digestive symptoms. And I didn't really know what it was. I kind of thought it would be, you know, some kind of like bacteria that I could take the medicine and like get on with my life. But when I kind of finally decided to go see a doctor, they were like, oh, actually, you have ulcerative colitis, which is a chronic digestive disease. Um, we don't know what causes it. There is no cure. Here's wow. your medicine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was having like the nastiest symptoms you can think of. I mean, ulcerative colitis is um, irritable bowel disease category. So it's kind of like Crohn's if people are familiar with that, but it essentially ulcers um, in your colon and your, um, yeah, your, your large, your large intestine. And uh, so all the nasty stuff that you can think of that goes along with that, I won't go into it, but um, it so sounds I started, painful. Just yeah. By the name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Crohn's disease is similar, but it affects your entire digestive system. So you, people who have Crohn's get um, ulcers throughout their whole system and it's incredibly painful, debilitating um, with all kinds of side effects. Um, it's the kind of thing that can go into remission, but it can also flare up. But, you know, I was, told by doctors, but that I started to see doctors like, here's your medicine. And, you know, it's your digestive system. So I would ask the doctors, like, well, what should I eat? And they're like, well, it doesn't matter what you eat. I'm like, okay, huh? Um, sure. And so I was, you know, young in my early 20s. And, um, you know, I kind of did that for a while, and it would go away, and it would come back. And I was just kind of still eating whatever. And at the time, I was also very overweight. And I had been going through a weight loss process. I was actually going through Weight Watchers at the time um, and losing a lot of weight. And I kind of thought that, you know, that would help. But it, the disease kept coming back. And, you know, I would change doctors every so often. And none of them would, you know, they would always say the same thing. It doesn't matter what you eat. Here's your medicine. I'm like, all right. And they would what never... What medicine were they giving you? Was it like antibiotics um, or... No, no. There are different medicines specifically for ulcerative colitis. One of them is called mesalamine is like the drug and there's there's different brand names for it, but it essentially like goes right to the site of the ulceration and kind of heals it. Okay. Um, and it comes in different forms, pill and liquid. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you have it really bad, you'll get steroids. I was fortunate in that my disease was never bad enough I had mild to moderate, but if you have severe colitis or severe Crohn's, you're given steroids. You may be given, you know, increasing doses of steroids and there's all kinds of side effects with that. And I'm pretty fortunate that I never had to go that route because, you know, that is just, that has a whole other host of health, potential health issues. Yeah. So, you know, I'm kind of going on with my life and, um, taking this medicine and, you know, it just didn't make sense to me that it didn't matter what you ate, you know? So I kind of started digging 
on my own and doing my own research and looking online. And um, interestingly enough, like, it's so funny. I think back to this sometimes and, and I just think that there was like a little bit of an angel. One day I got this catalog in the mail for the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And I'm like, what is this? This is a school about food? I don't understand. Yeah, that's so random. <laughs> it was random. I never signed up for it. I don't know where, to this day, I still don't know how it ended up in my, in my mailbox because at that time I wasn't really interested in holistic health. I didn't understand the idea of bioindividuality, um, which is the idea that everyone is different and there's different solutions for each person. So I kind of kept it, you know, in my bathroom for a while, would read it sometimes when I was in there. And um, I eventually decided to seek out my own health coach because even though my disease go into remission, I never was really getting better. Um, and it just didn't make sense to me that it didn't matter what you ate. And so I kind of sought out a health coach to help me navigate the whole other side of it, like food. And you know what I learned from her was lifestyle and holistic health, which is essentially like every other part of your life, right? Looking at um, what you're eating, how you're sleeping, your relationships, you know, things that we can, we can get into. Um, and it just made me realize like, oh, this stuff actually does matter. But in traditional, conventional um, Western medicine, they're just not taught about this. Like gastroenterologists are not educated really about prevention and they're not educated about food and nutrition, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, eventually I found, and I don't know when I started with my current doctor, but I found a doctor who, it was like my fourth or fifth doctor who eventually like asked me like, what do you eat? And I was like, oh, you're the first doctor that's ever asked me that. Um, but, you know, that still didn't really do anything to help me with it, but just actually asked me what I ate. So after working with a health coach um, of my own for a while and sort of being in music for a while and not really knowing if I wanted to stay or what I was, you know, what I was doing, I said, you know, regardless of what happened, I find the health coach model really interesting. I find holistic health really interesting. I'm really passionate about learning more. And I decided to go for training. Um, at the Institute for Integrated Nutrition, which was the place that I had gotten that catalog from years earlier. Wow. That's such a cool story. And you're mentioning of gastro doctors and doctors in general not being trained on this is so important too, because I think a lot of people don't quite realize that like you go to your doctor and you just assume that you should trust them. In most cases, most people do that. They think of doctors as a person who is in authority, who went to school for this, who knows what they're talking about and knows what they're doing. And they don't realize that doctors truly don't have this holistic training. They only have this Western medicine training. And in a lot of places, especially like acute conditions or you're, where you're going to die or you need immediate help, that is extremely important. But in conditions like chronic things, like what you had and I have, I've gone through IBS and so many other things and anxiety and depression and everything like that. You really have to take a holistic, in my opinion, take a holistic view on it in order to actually get to the bottom of the issue and heal from it. Yeah. I remember I went to a doctor like several years ago and I had self-diagnosed myself with IBS and I was like, I have IBS. I Googled it. I know I have it. And they were like, okay. And I was like, what do I do? <laughs> my gastro was like, I guess you could take some fiber. And I was like, should I take a probiotic? I've been doing that and I think it might help. And they were like, okay, if you think it helps then keep doing it. That was literally the whole conversation. Yeah. Like that was the extent of help that I got. And I remember just walking away so frustrated because I was like, first of all, it's not even like, oh, you need more fiber in your diet. Here's some foods that increase fiber. Here's some things you can do, blah, blah, blah. It was just like, I guess take a fiber pill and keep doing the probiotic if you think it's working. Meanwhile, 
I like had so many other things going on and none of those things really would help. Like I totally had to rebalance my gut entirely. And so, um, all of that to say, I totally hear what you're saying. And I think it's really important to just draw, drive that point home. Like you can go beyond, you had that hunch to look into the foods you were eating and, and follow that path and see where you could go deeper. And for anybody who's listening, who maybe thinks that there's room to go deeper, listen to your gut literally and, <laughs> and do that. So yeah. speaking of guts, yeah, obviously focus a lot on digestive disorders. And I had my own experience, obviously learning about this and how also how my diet has impacted my anxiety. So can you tell us a little bit about the science behind this and why there is such an extreme connection between the gut and the brain? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like this is becoming a bigger topic in general, um, in, I don't know, popular culture and, and about uh, health in general. So I think the gut microbiome is a term that I think a lot of people have heard now. It's been used a lot. And essentially what that means is it's the collection of bacteria, fungi, viruses, and other microorganisms that live inside your intestine. Um, and what I found really interesting is that you, everyone has a unique microbiome and your your individual unique microbiome is actually created within the first 1,000 days of life. So by the time you're three, you, you have kind of a, the, the foundation for what your gut health is kind of going to be. Not that it can't change in the future, but kind of sets you up for a certain path. Um, and so the function of, of these things is to communicate with your brain. Um, and it's the mix of bacteria that, that influences like your central nervous system. Um, the gut is also home to what's called like the second brain or the little brain, which I think a lot of people have heard about, which is the enteric nervous system, which is essentially like two thin little layers um, of like, you know, millions upon millions of nerve cells that line your entire gastrointestinal tract. And it's not a brain in the way that we think of it. It's not really capable of thought, but it kind of controls digestion, all the functions that are required in digestion, which is a really complicated process. We don't think digestion, it just happens. And that's controlled by the enteric nervous system, which is the ENS. Um, and so there's a really strong connection, you know, between the two. What's really interesting is that you know, neurons, which a lot of people are you know, familiar with, neurons are cells that are found in your brain and your nervous system kind of tell your body how to behave. There's about 100 billion neurons in the brain, but there's about 500 million neurons in the gut as well. So you have just as much going on in your gut as you do, you know, almost as much as you do going on in your brain. And it's all connected through your nervous system. So the two brains kind of talk to each other that way. I think a lot of people are familiar with the idea of like, I have butterflies in my stomach, or I have a gut feeling about this, or like I have a pit in my stomach, or, you know, when you get nervous, all of a sudden you feel it in your stomach mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. really strongly. And a so lot of I, people will like puke if they're nervous. Exactly. And so, you know, so that there is a really strong connection through that. And I think that there's the other side, well, part of this is that neurons produce chemicals called neurotransmitters, um, things like serotonin that I think people are familiar with if you're studying brain health, you're familiar with brain health. And um, the neurotransmitters that are produced in your brain, you know, control all of your feelings and emotions. Um, and a lot of these are actually produced in the gut and, and the, by the trillions of like, you know, microorganisms that are living in your gut. And there's actually 90% of your serotonin receptors are actually located in your gut. So there is a really deep connection and there's more science and more research kind of coming out about this all the time. I think that there is traditionally, because when you feel nervous or you feel anxious, you have this, you know, this gut feeling, people traditionally thought that it's sort of like, 
you know, your mind that's controlling your gut, right? It's like, I feel anxious, I feel, you know, a pain in my stomach, but at the same time, now there's more research coming out that actually shows that it could be potentially your gut health that's influencing your brain chemistry. So, you know, there's all different types of bacteria um, in your gut microbiome, and um, some guts are healthier than others. And so if you don't have a healthy gut that's helping you to produce the right amount of serotonin or, and, you know, can have a healthy atmosphere, then it will affect actually what's going on in your brain because those um, neurotransmitters are affecting your mental health and your brain chemistry. So, I mean, there's a lot of deep science on this you can kind of go deeper into. Yeah. But that's just like kind of a primer on how they're connected. And I think that there's more and more studies coming out about how gut health affects things like Alzheimer's and autism and how you look at like a lot of kids with autism who have, you know, gluten intolerances or, mm-hmm. you know, when you remove certain things from their diets, things yeah. can change. Like the and food diets too, stuff like that. Yeah. And so it's an evolving science. You know, there's more and more kind of discovered about this all the time, but for a very long time, science didn't even want to really look at the microbiome and how it could affect um, your brain chemistry. And so there really is like a very, very strong link. And so what you eat and what you put into your body, what you put into your stomach matters. Um, it, bu- it literally builds your cells. And, you know, so if you're kind of feeding yourself sugar and, you know, alcohol and, you know, processed foods um, and, and lots of antibiotics, as lots of us were as, as you know, fed as children, it can have a really adverse effect. Okay. So I want to kind of divide this into two parts. The first part, the first question I want to ask you is what are some things that you just started mentioning them, antibiotics, processed foods, but what are some other things that can affect our gut health? And then the second part that I want to go into is what do some gut imbalances look like? I'm thinking from a perspective of, I know I had IBS, so to say, like that's what the collection of symptoms was. But when I dug deeper, it was SIBO and there are things like um, candida overgrowth and parasites and things like that, that people can have that I don't think a lot of people know about. So let's start with the first part, which is what can impact our gut. And then I want to move into the second part, which are what are these actual imbalances at, at their core? Right. Yeah. Good questions. So some of the things I mentioned, definitely like processed foods you know, things that are not whole foods, things that are low quality, low quality oils, um, you know, foods that are just not nutrient rich can definitely damage um, or have an adverse effect on your gut. When you say low quality oils, can you get specific? Yeah. So um, like, is it like sunflower oil or like canola oil um, and, and oils that are made from things like GMO corn, you know, things that have been, um, highly processed. Well, I mean, oils are processed in general, but I think that uh, canola oil is a big one. Um, Vegetable oil can tend to be unhelpful. Um, What else? I think that, yeah, vegetable, corn, canola, those are kind of like the big ones. Um, Yeah. Any kind of like, I mean, junk food, you know, like that's, that's just a large, a lot of processed foods. I've been really conscious about labels right now because I had to remove a few foods from my diet because of leaky gut, which we'll also talk about, I'm sure. But um, everything has these oils in it, like all these processed oils. Nothing from the store is really made with olive oil or like coconut oil or avocado oil, um, which tend to be the healthier kinds of oils. And it's very frustrating when you're like, damn it, I'm trying to like stay away from this. But then it kind of just proves to you that like, yes, no matter how healthy the processed food is, it's still probably pretty unhealthy. Yeah. And then you, you see things like 
hydrogenated oil, you know, things like that. Um, essentially, like anything that's not a whole food is a processed food, right? So anything that contains a lot of different ingredients, even things like pasta is technically a processed food. So they're not all created equal, but I think, you know, you kind of know when you're eating junk, right? Like fast food, like, you know, devil dogs, like things like that, I think are all have a really negative impact on your gut. Right. Um, certainly antibiotics. And not to say that antibiotics are not useful. They are life-saving, you know, they are necessary in a lot of cases, but at the same time, they have an adverse effect on your gut because they kill off not just the bad bacteria, but also the good bacteria. And so, you know, after taking antibiotics, people can end up with, you know, like loose stool or other kind of weird digestive symptoms. And they're like, I don't understand. It's because all the good stuff that was in your gut is kind of gone. And so, you know, typically I'll um, talk to people about, you know, supplementing with probiotics once they're done with a round of antibiotics. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a mystery, your own unique microbiome, right? Because it's not like you're going in there and you're discovering, you know, there's so many different types of things in there. So you could take probiotics afterwards, but all probiotics are not created equal. There's so many different strains. So, yeah, I had to learn you know, that for myself too. Like you have no idea. So I would just go to the store and buy any probiotic and then it's like, no, seriously, they're not all created equal and you might not need the one that you're putting into your system. Yeah. I mean, I think it can be a little bit trial and error and it's not to be discouraging to anyone listening, but I think, you know, you have to just pay attention and you have to understand, um, you know, take if you're taking antibiotics, pay attention to how you feel afterwards and then start supplementing with things like probiotics or other fermented foods, which we can kind of get into. Um, so I think that, you know, unfortunately in, in this country, you know, over 50% of the average American diet is made out of processed foods with added sugar and artificial sweeteners and, you know, all things like that. So I think artificial sweeteners is another one, um, just, you know, sugar in general. And it's not just like candy. You know, there's a lot of foods, especially processed foods, where there's a lot of added sugar just kind of hidden in there. And Everywhere. It's, yeah. And, and like soy sauce or, you know, just things that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. A lot of ketchup. sugar. Well, I think most people know ketchup. ketchup has sugar, but like still, it's things where a lot of people oh, don't. This is savory. Like this is a savory food or this isn't like a super sweet thing. And then you have, you really have to double check on those labels yeah. because you would be surprised. Yeah. I think another one that's obviously sort of a hot topic is gluten. Um, you know, I'm not Let's gonna- get into it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to demonize gluten. I am gluten-free because I have a digestive disease. And one of the first things that my health coach told me was like, you need to take this out and see how you feel. Yeah. Um, and I think that there, there are a number of different reasons why gluten affects people and it's not just people with celiac I mean celiac disease is if you have you know it's a very very high allergy to gluten so if you're celiac and you have gluten you could go to the hospital potentially I you know fortunately don't have that and, and most people who are gluten sensitive may not have that you may sneeze you may have a stomach upset like I weirdly I have psoriasis as well which is another autoimmune yeah, disease yeah um ulcerative colitis is also an autoimmune disease and if you have one autoimmune you tend to have multiple so when I eat gluten I get a flare-up of my psoriasis oh wow because it essentially creates inflammation in my body and psoriasis is a result of that you know yeah. Yeah, so yeah. things that are come up as a result of inflammation um, are can be brought on by by eating gluten and so you know I it may not be that if I eat gluten the next day I'm gonna have colitis symptoms but if I eat gluten and I continue to eat it it creates inflammation in my body which is, makes it more likely that my disease will return yeah. so I think yeah so I think I, I went to a functional medicine doctor like 
a year ago. And the first thing she did was take me off gluten. And I was like, I'm, I'm Italian. You can't do that. And she's like, no, you have to try it. I had a Herxheimer reaction for like two straight weeks, which just goes to show that I know your eyes just like bugged out right now. because <laughs> like, I was so tired and so moody for two weeks. And then after that, I started to feel a lot better. And then I was, I pretty much didn't eat it for like nine ish months. And then I just recently took a food sensitivity test. I tried it again. I didn't get sick. And this is why I want to really talk about this too, because like you mentioned, you, you may not be having stomach pain or anything of that nature. I'm like, I'm not throwing up. I'm not having diarrhea. I'm not even necessarily in stomach pain, but several days later after I had the gluten, I was extremely emotional, extremely anxious and just like not able to handle anything because my body was so inflamed. And I took that food sensitivity test. I got my results back and it came back as moderate to to high sensitivity. So I have to take it out again because it's just, it was bad, but yeah, it's like, yeah, no, I mean, full disclosure last week I was on a family vacation for my parents 50th anniversary and you know, I was eating some gluten and then I came back and like, the last couple of days, like my anxiety has been super high. And yesterday I'm like, oh, right. I ate all that cake, you know? And, yeah. and so it's like, again, it, it manifests itself in different ways and it doesn't necessarily manifest right away. But I think that um, for a lot of people, it can be helpful for different, different symptoms, whether it's, you know, mental health, digestive health to remove gluten and to see what happens. And a lot of people yeah. aren't willing to do that. Right. Oh, and so, so many people aren't, so yeah. many people aren't. Yeah. And a lot of people, I feel like I, if you can't tell, I'm very passionate about this topic because as someone, again, I'm like, I eat pasta like once a day, like <laughs> I was eating so much gluten. I couldn't even really fathom taking it out of my diet and I did it and it was pretty hard at first, but now I feel like I, I got, I get a little bit judged by people cause they just don't quite understand it. And every time I'm out with someone new and I have to double check if something's gluten free or blah, 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 they always ask me, are you celiac or do you just not eat it? And I have to explain, I'm not celiac, but I am sensitive. Like it will affect me if I have it, but I'm not going to die. You know, like I'm not going to be on the floor vomiting or have to go to the hospital, but I am choosing to not eat it for my health, not just because it's like a fad, but because it actually affects people. So yeah, it's not, you know, it's not like a weight loss solution. And I, and I would also say that when I first started going off gluten, I had this, I mean, I'm not Italian, but I, you know, bread, pasta, cake, you know, cookies, all Honestly, of it. Honestly, this is American. Like we all eat, right. <laughs> we all eat that. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, at the time when I first went off it, I was like, okay, you know, can I get gluten-free pasta? Can I get gluten-free bread? Can I get gluten-free crackers? And I was all on that, that for a while. But after a while, I realized like that, a lot of that stuff is just not good for you either because a lot yeah. of that stuff is processed. Yeah, it yeah. has unhealthy oils. It has a lot of added sugar and it has a lot of other um, preservatives and other ingredients that are just not good for you. So over yeah. the years, and this has been, you know, probably almost 10 years now that I've been off gluten, you know, either hundred percent or like mostly off gluten, I've just kind of eliminated those things from my diet most of the time. Occasionally I'll have some gluten-free bread or some gluten-free pasta, but it's not a staple. And for me, that's been just a healthier way to live. Um, but I think, you know, there's a couple of 
reasons why, and you know, one of the one of the sort of going beliefs is that um, in the U.S., a lot of wheat is treated with a lot of pesticides, and it's really the potentially the pesticides that people are responding to because people are finding that when they go to Europe or other places in the world where they don't have that, they don't have the same type of reaction, I've right? So that I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't say like that is the answer, but that is one of the going. Um, when it's one of the one of the, the going um, ideas that's being discussed. Another thing that one of, that my health coach told me when I first went off gluten was that gluten is like the hardest part of the wheat to digest. So if you have compromised digestion, it's helpful to remove it so that you're not taxing your digestive system. Yeah, I've also actually heard something about like the way we grow wheat here is like. Now I don't want to go too deep into this because I can't quite remember, but it's basically like in Europe, it's they don't grow it like as bulky and it's just kind of like a gentler, fresher, non-pesticide plant. And here we just like try to, like we do everything, like go big or go home. And we kind of like change the plant a little bit by the way we're growing it that makes it harder to digest. Yeah, I mean, it, that, that could be like a, a GMO thing, um, which again is kind of related to pesticides. And that might be true too. But I think, regardless of what it is, it's sort of gotten a bad rap because people think it's a fat, but it's legitimately like helped and healed so many people that are suffering from both digestive issues and, um, you know, potential mood disorders that are looking for like nutritional solutions for yeah. their anxiety and depression. So I think that that's it's a really big one, um, you know, that can, that can affect your gut. Yeah. Are there any other foods like gluten that are technically not processed foods, they're natural foods, but they tend to be big triggers for people that they also might want to experiment taking out of their diet? Um, for me, one of the big ones was dairy. Yeah, I know um, that's big Which is, is, you know, um, for a lot of different reasons, um, and I think, you know, their science behind it kind of goes in a number of different ways, but it's... Um, it's made a big difference for me. It causes a lot of bloating and gas. And so if you have digestive issues, it just makes it worse. So I think that like gluten and dairy are the, are the two biggest ones. Um, I think also, I mean, and this is more so if you have like serious digestive issues is that um, there's a class of vegetables called the nightshade vegetables that are known to cause inflammation. So it's tomatoes, potatoes, eggplants, um, and peppers. And uh, that was another like class of foods that I was advised to avoid when I was dealing with my digestive issues, which, you know, it, it can have an effect. It's not necessarily going to have an immediate effect, but in general, when you have um, an inflammatory disease, like I do, or you have digestive issues that are caused by inflammation, which, you know, most, you know, a lot of um, chronic health issues are caused by inflammation it can just help to remove foods that can cause that and add foods in that can help remove inflammation. So that's something else where it's like, you wouldn't think that there's anything inherently wrong with the tomato and there isn't, right, right. but it's just, you know, what, what it can potentially like a side effect of what it can potentially do. Yeah. And I think it's important to note too, that like you could, you could be sensitive to anything really. It doesn't have to be just these things. So taking this knowledge that you now have and maybe trying these obvious foods, but if you still feel fine, then go for some other things that you tend to eat regularly and see how it feels to take those out as well. Cause you never know, like it could be anything super random. I had watermelon come up in my, um, food sensitivity test and it's just, it's, I don't really eat that that much, but it came up and almonds, which came up a lot, which I eat a lot. So things like that, same with avocados that now that, you know, like just watch out for processed foods, these top inflammation causing foods and other foods that you might eat regularly. You don't have to do it all at once, of course, but 
that being said, for anyone who is now thinking, okay, I, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll try taking gluten out or maybe I'll try taking dairy out. What can they do? Do you have any insight for what they can do when they try to take it out in order to avoid the Herxheimer reactions or any bad detoxing effects if they do remove it from their diet? Well, I think there's a few things. I think, um, A, to kind of go back to what you were saying before, I think before you remove anything, um, one of the first things that my health coach taught me and then I do with people that I work with is to um, do a food journal, which is annoying, but it's really the only way you're going to know. So writing down what you eat and then how you feel during the day, every day for a week, two weeks. I mean, I was doing this for months because I had a serious issue. But I think that that's number one, that you just kind of understand what's affecting you and like what may, that may be affecting you. Like you were saying, that may not be an obviously bad food like nuts or a lot of people are very allergic to soy, you know, and you may not have, yeah. you may not have a test to tell soy you that. Soy made my anxiety really bad too. And I just, it was weird. Like I had tofu one day and I was shaking like 20 minutes later. <laughs> so weird. Really bad. I know yeah. I mean, it's one of the most allergenic foods. And so I think that when you're removing things from your diet, um, you don't, A, you want to go one thing at a time. You don't want to remove too many things at once because it just, it can potentially like overload your system. So I recommend going slowly and paying attention to how you're feeling. Um, you may have effects no matter what. But I think that it's always important to, to take on major changes in a kind of a slow, methodical fashion. And then when you're, you know, there's something called an elimination diet where you kind of eliminate a whole bunch of different foods and then you slowly add them back. And I think that people are impatient. I'm impatient. You want things to happen quickly. You want to know, you want to kind of just be able to kind of, um, know what the right thing is for you, but it, your body takes time you know? And so I think that while you're doing things like this, you should support yourself in other ways with getting enough sleep, with drinking enough water, you know, with kind of mitigating your stress in other ways so that you're kind of supporting yourself all around the food that you're eating um, while you're kind of experimenting with, you know, removing different foods from, from your system. Oh, that's such good advice. And <laughs> such a good point too about the impatience, because I, had the patients to go through several protocols, several tests and waiting for results and stuff like that. And I've still noticed moments where I'm like, I'm just going to like have a cheat meal and eat a bunch of stuff. And then after that, I stop tracking what I'm eating and then I can't figure out what made me feel worse again. And then I have to start from scratch. And it just really is a testament. Like, I think I've become a lot more patient from this healing process, but it's really hard and you have to really exhibit self-discipline and it, support yourself in those ways that you just described and even with self-care just to like because it, it can be tiring to have that patience and really stick with it but also it makes such a difference when you really do start making progress and don't feel like literal crap every day <laughs> sure. and I mean I'll be honest you may likely f it up yeah before you get it right you yeah. know like no one is going to be perfect from the beginning I think that's another thing is that if you're trying to experiment with healing through um, adding foods or removing foods, like to just really be kind to yourself and gentle with yourself because everybody, it's not perfect. No one's going to, you don't know yet. It's, you know, we're all kind of experimenting with our bodies in a way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. These are, this is all information that we have through experience, through science, but like, as we know, um, science is ever evolving and nutrition in particular is a science that, um, 
is unique in that like you can have two, you can have one theory um, that's both like proven and disproven, right? So you have people that write about how great dairy is for you and how healthy raw milk is for you. And then you have people that write about like how evil it is and you shouldn't have it, you know, and both of those things can be proven. And so nutrition is um, <laughs> a little bit tricky like that. But I think, you know, it, it's um, going slow, being patient and kind to yourself and understanding that like you may feel worse before you feel better. But that's all part of the journey. And as they say, like healing journey is not a straight line. It's kind of up and down. Yeah. And you have to sort of go into it knowing that and, um, you know, you will build the patience by making mistakes kind of, that's sort of what I did, you know, yeah. you, and you get to the point where you're like, all right, I guess I have no choice but to go slowly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now that we've kind of went deep there, what are the actual, um, diseases or names or imbalances that we could be experiencing in our gut, um, that we might not even know about? Yeah. I think that's, um, I think that's a really good question. I think, <sighs> There are things like you mentioned, like SIBO, which is um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, where you have like you know too much bacteria. There are certainly lots of parasites, um, which you know there is like too many to kind of name that you could have picked up from any number of places, travel, food, etc. And sometimes, you know, I had a friend that I went to health coaching school with, and she tried everything under the sun, and she still had problems. And I forget what exactly she did. Um, but she eventually found out that she had parasites and it wasn't until she did a particular test that she was and got rid of them that she, you know, she felt better. Um, there's things like candida, which is again, like another kind of yeast overgrowth that can impact you. But I think, you know, with things like there, you had mentioned leaky gut, right. Which is another thing where the intestinal lining sort of, um, has small tiny holes in it and little particles can escape from your gut and, and kind of go through your bloodstream and cause inflammation and cause other autoimmune diseases. Um, and that can be, you know, the root cause for many types of autoimmune diseases um, from skin conditions to other digestive conditions. I think that there's um, things like IBS, IBS irritable bowel syndrome um, is sort of like it's not that it's a misnomer, but it's just kind of what they call it. Yeah. One of my favorite doctors is like, oh yeah, irritable bowel syndrome. Of course you have irritable bowel. You already knew that. Like if you are, if you have a um, bowel problems or gut problems, like you know that it's irritable, but like what's actually going on there? It's not right. just IBS. Right. I think, you know, there's other things like H. pylori, which, you know, is another thing that can happen um, in your gut that can cause, you know, but I think that that, I don't know what the percentage is really of like people whose issues are caused by those specific things versus people whose issues are caused by other things going on in their life and, and body. So, I mean, you could have IBS that could be really caused by um, stress and environment. Um, I think another big topic right now is toxins. Um, and it's the toxic load that we are all kind of carrying through in a combination of pesticides in our food, um, things we put on our skin, um, environmental things in our water. I mean, it kind of sounds scary and crazy when you start to think about it. You're like, I'm living in this world and it's poisoning me. But the reality is, is that, um, you know, toxins, heavy metals in your system can really throw your whole system out of whack. So I think those are kind of like, and there's other bacteria and things that, you know, you can kind of drill down on that may be causing it. But I think that, um, 
you have to look at those things, but you also have to look at, and this is kind of where holistic health comes in, the rest of your life and yes. what else is going on for you yeah. beyond just what you're eating and like what bacteria may be going on, you know, in your system. Yeah. So like you said, there's obviously a lot of parts to this. Part of it is diet and processed foods and things like that, which we just talked about. You can look at if there are actual imbalances in your gut or things like parasites. And how do you recommend diving deeper into that? Would you recommend just um, taking a specific test or testing for it or working with your doctor or making diet changes first? What recommendations do you have for that if people suspect they might have something deeper with their gut going on? Yeah. I mean, to be very honest, I will often recommend somebody, and you mentioned before, see a functional medicine doctor. Functional medicine has, and I've, I was seeing a functional medicine doctor for a while as well. And what they do is they sort of take um, Western medicine and they dive deeper. They do a lot of testing, blood testing, stool testing, genetic testing, saliva testing. And they, you know, as a health coach, the testing that we can access and, you know, what we are allowed to use in our practice like from a medical level is a little bit limited because, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm the first person to say that our role um, in someone's healthcare is to help guide them towards the places and, you know, the practices um, and the habits and, you know, the things that they need to kind of move on in their healing journey. But if you can find a functional medicine doctor um, that can help you kind of do those tests, then I think that that is one of the best ways to kind of identify what you may have. Um, I think there are probably some like stool tests you can do at home yourself. But really, I think like at that point, you want a doctor who's informed and it's not necessarily going to be a gastroenterologist. Mm-hmm. You know, unless Probably like, be I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, to be honest, like a, several years back, um, I went to Columbia, the country, um, and on my way back, I had like horrific, horrific, like I, I had eaten something and I was, it was something and I had felt like there was a thousand knives in my stomach. It was oh, incredibly no. painful. And I went to my gastro and I figured he would do a stool test yeah. to see like what I had. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, we could do a stool test and see what you have, or you can just take these two medications and one of them will fix it. Oh my God. And I was in so much pain that I was like, give me the medicine. And I figured he would still do the stool test, but he did it. And it was only, and you know, even in that like super acute, like could not move situation, he, did he offer me a stool test and then he didn't even do it. He just gave me the medication. So what did that do? Did it bandaid it? And then you had to go back or it it eventually got rid of whatever it was, whether it was a parasite or a bacteria or something. I don't, you know, I don't really know. And at at that time of my life, I had like, I was in the middle of moving. It was like a super hectic time. And, and, um, so I had wanted him to do the stool test, but I'm just like, if this doesn't work, then I guess I'll go back. And, yeah. you know, I sort of regret it. Cause it, I was also like, I want to know. What yeah. Is- you want to know exactly. And like, <laughs> what is it? And be able to confirm that you got it out or didn't or whatever. Yeah. I mean, is correct. And also that it doesn't come back and then it yeah. doesn't, you know, burrow deep into your, yeah. you know, deeper into your system. Because with a lot of those things, I feel like that's what happens is they put a bandaid over it. Like they give you medication to deal with it and then they don't, it does come back. If you stop the medication or the medication stops being effective or whatever, then like the problem is still actually there. You didn't, you didn't deal with it. So then you have to go back and it probably got worse and then you have to fix it from the room. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily for me, it didn't. But I do regret like not doing the stool test because I wanted to know. But I think that um, if you have, if you have tried many things on your own, if you have worked with a health coach or someone else that has kind of brought you through, you know, working with food, working with lifestyle and kind of doing all the things that you can do on your own and you still have not seen changes, then I would absolutely recommend. I mean, I would recommend working with a doctor anyway. And for myself as a health coach, I always prefer that the people that I'm working with 
like have a doctor that they're working with as well, because, you know, my knowledge um, and my experience in, with, on the medical level is limited. You know, I can, I can bring people so far and I can pro provide information and resources, but, you know, when you're dealing with something like a parasite or, you know, something more intense, um, you know, you definitely want the testing and then, yeah. the, you know, you might need medication mm -hmm. for something like that. So mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's usually the, the advice that I give. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So now let's, I'd love to move into talking about these other areas of your life that could be impacting your health. Like you just mentioned, you mentioned a few things like toxicities, stress and things like that. So walk us through some of the other major aspects of our life that can be affecting our health, our gut, our mental health, and causing issues in areas that we might not expect it to cause issues. Yeah, totally. So um, the model that I studied, holistic health coaching, there's something that we call like the circle of life. And there's all that, you know, imagine a kind of circle and there's all these different kind of spokes, you know, on the circle. Um, and certainly like nutrition is on there. Um, and, you know, mental health is on there, but there are things that kind of contribute to those that, you know, we're not really considering. So lifestyle things. So, you know, what's going on with your physical activity? Are you physically active? Are you not physically active? How is that affecting you? What's going on with your relationships? Is there stress there? Like, how are you dealing with your family, your partner, your, you know, whoever, like, how, how are you dealing with that? How are you feeling about that? How is that affecting you? Like, what are your outlets for, joy and creativity and spirituality and you know the things that are kind of um contributing to your the positive mood chemicals that are being you know created yeah. in your body um what's your social life like are you kind of going out are you engaging in the world or are you kind of at home not really doing a whole lot and, and you know not engaging your creativity um what is your home environment like you know is your house a mess is it dirty or you know do you have a lot of clutter um do you have space for yourself to do the things that you like to do um you know do you like to cook how do you prepare your food how do you eat you know when you're eating are you taking one bite and then swallowing because the way that we actually eat is really important. So, you know, one of the first things I learned um, when I was working with my health coach was chewing. She was like, chew every bite like 20 to 30 times. I'm like, you're crazy. And she was like, no, really do yeah. it. And yeah. I have to, and then you have to sit and then you have to be mindful yep. and, and then you breathe. And when you do that, it actually lowers your cortisol and brings your body into a rest and digest state versus fight or flight, which is when like your stress hormones are really high and that affects your gut and how your gut actually digests food and then how that food gets um, integrated into your body. And so, you know, are you eating in front of the TV or are, are you tasting your food? Are you smelling it? Are you experiencing it? Like the environment in which you're eating, you know, so many people, you know, I live in New York and so many people are like shoving food in their mouth as they're walking down the street on the subway, on the phone, in front of the computer. And, you know, look, we have some of this is a habit. We think it's habitual. We think it's accepted. We think it's okay, but it has an impact on us, you know? And so I feel like that's, you know, when I work with people in nutrition, like that's one of the first things it's like, mm -hmm sit down, you know, don't look at your phone where you're eating, yeah. breathe, taste your food, you know, actually like appreciate and have gratitude for like what you are putting into your body. And I think that, you know, having gratitude practice um, has been really important. You know, also things like your career, are you happy in your career? Like, how is that impacting you? Career is such a source of stress for people and stress has an impact on all of this, you know, and 
from brain to gut to the rest of it. So I think that, you know, these are all the different kind of pieces of the puzzle that when, like when I work with people, we, we look at all these things and we say, okay, on a scale of one to 10, like how satisfied are you with this part of your life? And how can you move that needle to being more satisfied? And then how is that going to affect you? Um, because the idea of holistic health is that like you are a whole being. So you could eat all the kale you want, but if you're like miserable in your job or your relationship is like making you miserable or, you know, any number of the other things I mentioned, it doesn't, it, food itself is not going to be the answer. You have to look at all of these lifestyle factors and because they all have an impact on every part of your body. And I think that what's interesting about Western medicine is that we have these segmented specializations. You have a gastroenterologist, you have, you know, the cardiac cardiologist, you have, you know, people that, that specialize. And so it kind of segments the body into these different parts, which, you know, look, it's great that we have these people that specialize and we want someone that knows how to operate on a heart if they need to. Right. Who's looking at the whole person? All yes. of our systems work together. All yeah. of our systems talk to each other mm -hmm. and you can't just treat one part. You have to treat the whole person. And these are all, you know, all part of it. And that's also what I really liked about functional medicine was that they, um, their model is not just testing, but also looking at the whole person and how like, you know, your brain is affecting your gut, your gut is affecting your brain and, you know, your hormones as well. And it's all part of the same system. You can't pull one thing out and think that like the rest of it is not going to be affected. Yeah, totally. Oh man, that was so good. <laughs> and I hope for anybody who's listening, something may have sparked in you just now that is like, huh, I didn't really think of that before. But now that you mention it, there are some things that are off that maybe affecting me more than I know and just see what you can do to fix that and adjust that and then notice if it makes a change in how you feel day to day because it probably will. <laughs> yeah. So before we wrap up, what would you recommend to people who are looking to take their first step into healing holistically and becoming more balanced but aren't really sure where to start or what to do? That's a really good question. Um, I think really the first step and you know some people can do this on their own and some people can't is to really kind of get to know yourself a little better um whether it's sort of like looking at these different areas of your life and trying to understand like what's out of balance for you um where can you kind of i don't know tweak things drop some habits, create some new habits. Um, and I think certainly working with a coach is really helpful, right? Because it's how you have someone to kind of guide you through, but it also depends on what your specific issue is. You know, it's sort of like a, you know, you may have a digestive issue. And in that case, if you have a digestive issue, I would probably would, I probably would start with food, but I, at the same time, I would look at all of these other things and, you know, it can be overwhelming. There's a lot, right? It's like, you know, anytime you want to address one issue, that in itself feels overwhelming. You're like, oh, and I also have to think about X, Y, Z, A, B, C. That's, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. But I think that sort of, you know, the essence of mindfulness essentially means being aware of yourself and your surroundings and kind of what is going on for you in the present. And I think that meditation is a really good tool for that, right? So even if you do nothing else, and I haven't really, like, we haven't really talked about this too much, but meditation um, gives you some space to reflect back on yourself and it gives you some space to kind of say, okay, um, you know, what is actually going on for me right now in this moment? And then follow that and kind of that will bring you to, okay, well, maybe I need to um, 
maybe I need to stop eating this, or maybe I need to like kind of look at this relationship, or maybe I really need to think about how I'm at my job. Don't take on too much at once. Um, because you know, there is a lot, but I think that the idea of starting to heal holistically, I guess actually is really to think holistically and to think of yourself as a whole person and to understand that, um, treating whatever it is that you're dealing with, um, involves treating, treating your whole self. And I think that that is kind of a good place to start. Um, and if you have the resources and the time to find support, whether it's a health coach or a doctor or a friend who wants to kind of go on this journey with you or a book, um, that you find, you know, there's so many different books about holistic healing from different perspectives, whether it's digestive or brain or mental health or et cetera. Um, you know, start to start to kind of put yourself in that mindset. And I think then that will lead you to the next place that you need to go. Um, because each person's journey, it really is individual. And, you know, I can't say that what I did is going to be anyone else's journey because it's not, but, um, really thinking holistically and understanding what that means. It's not just a fluff term. It just means like a whole person is an integrated being, um, mind, body, soul, spirit, you know, we're all, it's, it's all comes together as, as one. Um, and that's, you know, the experience that you have with human being. So I think that that is probably a lot. <laughs> Hopefully that's helpful. Yes. I think it definitely will be. Thank you so much, Nicole, for all of this. As you can tell, I love to geek out on this stuff because it's not, I never thought I would ever be interested in like health. Like I was like, I could never be a doctor. And obviously I'm not a doctor, but there's so much more to this like health and medical field than we know. And it's really not that hard to gain some knowledge on important areas like this that may be affecting us and impacting our lives, our health, our mental health. And our overall wellness and just well-being and happiness <laughs> dated in the way we live our day-to-day lives. So yeah. I love to talk about this. And thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge on the podcast today. Where can we connect with you further? So um, currently, I'm working on an initiative um, within the music industry on wellness um, called Equilibrium. And you can Act me through that website, which is thisisequilibrium.com. Um, and the email address is hello at thisisequilibrium.com. And even though I'm kind of focusing on music industry um, and wellness, I'm also working with people that are not in the music industry as well. But you can reach me there. For those of us in New York, because I know that's where the equilibrium initiatives are primarily happening, can you tell us yeah. a little bit, and for everyone else too, but can you tell us a little bit about um, what it is, why you started, and if there's an event coming up or how to stay tuned with events coming up in the near future? Yeah, I mean, essentially, the issues that we've been talking about, um, we're bringing them into the idea of um, artists' wellness and uh, wellness for the music industry and lifestyle, which is particularly stressful in a, a lot of different ways, which I'm sure you've talked about in many of your podcasts. Yes. Hey, that's why I started the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it's a well-known fact. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know when this podcast will air. Um, we'll have an event in late June and we'll have another one in the fall in September. And we've had a lot of interest um, in other markets in Los Angeles and London. So we may be branching out there. You can find out more at our website. This is equilibrium.com or on Instagram at this is equilibrium as well. And I think it's really, um, bringing a focus on, um, all of these issues just within 
within music and because it's the business that I've come out of, I've seen what it's like on the inside. I've worked with artists that have suffered um, due to pitfalls from not paying attention to a lot of these things. And so that's kind of what it was born out of. Well, if you are in New York or in any other area that you just mentioned or interested in bringing it to any other area, definitely keep in touch with Nicole. Stay up to date with Equilibrium and what they're doing. And thank you again, Nicole, for being on today and sharing your knowledge. Thank you so much for having me. 